This episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast is being brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box that is full of awesome geek and gamer items, as well as pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include a t-shirt, collectibles, and unique one-of-a-kind items. Next time around, join us as we celebrate the futuristic. July's crate is full of items from your pop culture's favorite prognostications of science and the future. Look towards tomorrow with items from Rick and Morty, Futurama, Star Trek. I love the Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Mega Men, Valiant Comics. They're doing the 4001 crosser, I believe. And Star Trek, including a model, a figure, and the monthly tea and the pin. Ah, man, this sounds like a fantastic, or I should say, futuristic Ooh. box this month. Now, here's the important How part, everybody. Fascinating. How That's about fasceristic? Last yeah, week, we no. had dystoporific, so we can do futuretastic. There you go. There you go. Futuretastic. If you want to get your hands on this futuretastic box, you have until July 19th, 9 o'clock p.m. Pacific, to subscribe and receive this month's crate. And if you miss that deadline, you are out. So make sure you head to lootcrate.com slash spoilers. Enter the code spoilers and save $3 off any new subscription. It's that easy. Sit back, wait for all the goodness to come your way. That's lootcrate.com slash spoilers. Use the checkout code spoilers. Thank you, Loot Crate, for sponsoring this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Yay, podcast night! This episode is brought to you by Major Spoilers VIP members. VIP stands for very important people. And their small monthly contributions ensure that this podcast remains free for all of you. If you would like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com for more information. I sure do thank you for your support. Now, here's your show. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and goes into detail about the topics discussed. So, if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items they talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, 10 years, 10 years of news, 10 years of reviews, not quite 10 years of pop culture discussion, but join us as we talk the films, review the comics, discuss the issues of the day, and don't forget our kick butt poll of the week. The second decade begins now and you are there. So get ready with your gifts of tin and or jewelry because the major spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 684 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. And thank you, everyone, who's been with us all of these years for 10 years. We'll talk more of 10 years of Major Spoilers later in the show. But first, let us get to some reviews. I'm sorry, some news. Oh, <laughs> boy. Me. What do I say? Do, 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 do reviews. Uh, oh. This week, we got uh, Pacific Rim 2 will arrive in theaters in 2018. Wreck-It Ralph 2 is in the works. And Lost in Space is getting a reboot over at Netflix. Let us spin the Wheel of Destiny and see where we land. There it lands on Wreck-It Ralph gets a sequel. Disney made the announcement uh, last week that the uh, untitled sequel doesn't have a name yet. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph follow-up will hit theaters on March 9th, 2018. I think the movie should be called Wreck-It Ralph The Reckoning, but uh, that is me. I think it should be called Wreck-It Ralpher. Wreck-It Ralpher. <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph here. Mm-hmm. Um, this follows along with a long slew of Disney and Pixar movies that are getting the sequel treatment. What are you guys' reaction to another Wreck-It Ralph movie? Ashley? 
Uh, well, I just saw Wreck-It Ralph like three days ago for the first time. Oh, really? What'd you think? Um, and I, I thought it was great. And it is prime for a sequel, uh, especially given the popularity of um, online gaming and I'll, I'll call it eSports. Um, right, right. And given the fact that one of the only things that we know about Wreck-It Ralph is that it is set on the internet, I think there's a lot of really interesting um, stuff to be mined there. And I really hope that Hubert comes back. Oh, I'm sure. They've all got to go uh, somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Rodrigo, what are your thoughts? Uh, need another Wreck-It Ralph? Don't need another Wreck-It Ralph? Don't care either way? I don't think we need another Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, I thought the first one was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, most of the things about it that I didn't like as much are completely just uh, smeared over by nostalgia because this is... Like, this was a movie for me, basically. It's all, like, uh, video games that... Or so many video games that I had played that um, were, like, treated intelligently and respectfully uh, to go along with it. So it had a lot of uh, potential there. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm willing to give it a shot. You know, we've seen enough successful sequels that um, we'll see what they do with it. I do hope that uh, that the kind of the original four characters are back. And in fact, if there was one character that I wish wasn't coming back, it would be Vanellope. Um, Cause I found her a little annoying, uh, but she's already been announced. So I'm like, well, in that case, you might as well bring the other two as well. I think they all are returning. Uh, it does say John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought they had uh, what's her face. Um, Jane Lynch, Jane Lynch coming back as well. But um Maybe we'll find that out in the coming months. Uh, The nice thing is that Pixar, which is not Disney and not really related to this, but somewhat tangentially, they've announced, I believe, after The Incredibles 2, that they will no longer, that they'll move into a whole new slate of non-sequel movies. Mm -hmm. Is Disney sequel crazy, Matthew? Well, yeah, but that's always been Disney's motif in a lot of ways. I mean, even if you look at some of the early stuff that isn't, sequel movies some of them are sequel movies um (laughs) and what it really comes down to is when we were in college in the 90s and the late 80s the sequels were always straight to vhs things and it was just for the the kid fans you know aladdin 2 uh this time jafar is a donkey or something all of those films were released and made a lot of money but then you have to ask yourself would they have made more money with a you know a full scale release? I mean, I would say this: I liked Wreck It Ralph a lot. The widget liked it a lot, and I think that kids who are young enough to remember it or young enough to have not seen it but still appreciate it and see this one and then go, "Oh, there's a first one that I can you know download from the iTunes or whatever." I think that this is a smart marketing move, and honestly, of. The Disney films that have endings that don't invite sequels, pretty much all of them have gotten them anyway. So, yeah, I I think that this is perfectly fine. I I did like Wreck-It Ralph a lot. I thought it was clever. Have you seen Cinderella 3 where they put back time? That was a good one. No. Um, (laughs) I do like Wreck-It Ralph, and it is one of all of the recent movies that have come out. And when I say recent, I mean in the last 10 years. This is one that I definitely want to see a sequel to because I want to see what they do next. I mean, we were, as I actually said, stuck into the arcade in the first mm-hmm. movie. And now that we can expand out onto the web and make all sorts of punny humor about Instagram and Amazon and Google and all that other stuff, 
oh boy, this is going to be interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with the lore of the world because there was kind of these like um, you have to be back home before midnight kind of clauses to things. Mm-hmm. So it'll or be interesting die. to see if they yeah it'll be interesting to see if they uh, completely if they massage yeah, if they change it if they like or if they actually work with it. Yeah, it'll also be interesting to see how they handle. Um, Ralph going to, you know, his villain, um, 12 step program, villain on meetings, yeah, yeah. The villain, villain on meetings and who else will show up, uh, in that. I, I think it'll be interesting. So, uh, they did do a, um, announcement on this, like I said, last week, both in video and in press release form. The thing that was kind of bumped out of the way that was really way down at the end of the press release was that, um, the animated movie gigantic Disney's gigantic. This is from the director of tangled was bumped from that March release date to November of 2018. This one, uh, Gigantic, is a retelling of the Jack and the Beanstalk story, where Jack goes up and he encounters a young girl who's 60 feet tall, and she's uh, adorable and all sorts of things that young girls are. But then the Storm Giants, who are 120 feet tall, are who uh, the lead character will have to deal with. This one sounds, even though it's a retelling of a classic fairy tale, seems a lot more original than um, a Wreck-It Ralph sequel is. And so I'm kind of sad to see that bumped a little bit. But on the other hand, if they are following what uh, um, Lasseter does at at Disney now, in that a story has to be great or else it doesn't get released, if that means that maybe this story needs a little bit more reworking so that it is perfect, I'd be happy with that as well. So any other thoughts on the gigantic movie getting bumped? I mean, I, well, I, it's, I mean, it's I entirely it than a sequel, but what's that? I would rather see that than a sequel, mm-hmm. but sequels make money. So yeah, they do to a point, I think. Um, at what point are, are we still into a point now? I think we saw that with Independence Day had a pretty poor showing. Uh, Finding Dory is still going strong. Uh, the Last Planet of the Apes, I think, was still going strong. So it's it's. Used to be that you know once you get out to like the third sequel, there was this diminishing return on, on the box office results. Well, but it seems to be rather hit and miss in this day and age. Yeah, I think they really used to follow a formula for sequels back in the day, mm-hmm. um, and, and that formula was called Star Wars. Yeah, and, and it just kind of huh. never never worked the way that they wanted it. They always wanted it to work a particular way, and then it never it kind of just never did. And then probably sometime after 99, basically, um, they kind of started figuring other alternative ways of doing sequels that were that just worked a little bit better. But there's no the thing is, is because we, we try to think of sequels as this like uniform thing, but they're not. Each sequel comes with a lot of information from that previous movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes some movies uh, come with a lot of problems for sequels. Because they're very self-contained narratives. And some movies are prime for sequels. You know, Star Wars, huge universe, lots of things you can do for a sequel. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph actually has some issues, has some issues in that sequel department. But also there's lots of stuff you can do. And then something like, for example, uh, a, um, I don't know, any, any given, like something like Fargo. There's only a few places you can take it. And yet they've been able to uh, spin it off into a, Pretty successful TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on uh, Wreck-It Ralph? Mm-hmm. I hope Jack McBrayer is back. He's funny. Yeah. Yeah, we'll find out <laughs> more. Uh, I, you know, 
Adam Carolla played one of the uh, he played Winchell, I think, one of the donut cops in that. And he made mm-hmm. a he made a suggestion. He was like, I, I think I'm under NDA, but I can't talk about too much about it. And this was before this announcement had come out. He said that he was doing another voiceover for another uh, Disney movie. And uh, I'm guessing that he will also be returning in uh, mm-hmm. Ralph, too, as well. Yeah, I would be surprised because nowadays Disney and Pixar get a lot of mileage out of like their kind of voice stunt casting. So I would be surprised if we don't see Adam Carolla back, if we don't see um, Mini Khalid back, because uh, she was like one of the mean uh, candy mm-hmm. driver girls, mm-hmm. you know, all of these, all of these. She people. was also in uh, Inside Out. Yeah. Yeah, she was discussed, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can check out all of the news and you can also check out some reviews, which we're going to get to next. So, Matthew, why don't we start with you with uh, crypto cryptocracy? Cryptocracy, cryptocracy number, one. number one from uh, Dark Horse Comics. Yes. Now, I, I want to be clear and fair up front. When I picked this book last week, I looked at it and I went, boy, I'm going to hate this. I hope it's not a train wreck. And I will tell you right now that I was wrong in one of those assessments. So, Cryptocracy number one uh, by Van Jensen and Pete Woods. Art, uh, actually, I think art by Pete Woods, written by Van Jensen, or it may be one of those things like uh, Wade and uh, What's-His-Face have on Black Widow where they are working together, but they don't tell us who does what, which is fine. It is the kind of story that makes your crazy conspiracy theory friends lean over and go, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. A cryptocracy is defined on the first page as a form of government where the real leaders are hidden or unknown. And it starts by breaking down the nine levels of the cryptocracy. And it starts with you and me, the schmucks. Uh, Circle five, by the way, is cryptids. Uh, It's full of aliens and and, uh, Bigfoots and things. And circle nine is where the real power lies. So this is a story about secret societies and how everything you know is wrong, but all the things that you know to be wrong are actually true. And so it is a story that I will tell you I don't like, but that doesn't mean that it's not a good comic book. And here's why. This story starts with uh, a young sick boy and his father being somehow bribed by someone way, way up in the hierarchy with a cure for his disease because all the cures for all the diseases actually exist. It's Mm. big pharma keeping it away from us, you guys. And throughout this, we discover that there's something about dark matter and there's a terrible accident that is described as a Roswell-grade screw-up. And when they say Roswell, they're not kidding because the aliens who crashed at Roswell are actually part of this story. Uh, They use their powers to wipe the minds of the the rank-and-file schmucks. And sometimes it doesn't work, which is how you get crazy conspiracy theories that we all used to listen to on Coast to Coast AM. And we find that somewhere in the highest levels of the cryptocracy, there's the beginning of a civil war where two families are starting to fight each other. There is a scene in this book where aliens are watching TV while eating Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew. That is the book that this is. So. Again, it's kind of funny. And there's a uh, one of our main point of view characters has a friend who's a bugbear in a suit who works in a completely menial task job somewhere down in the infrastructure, which is also kind of clever. There are a lot of good ideas in this. 
There are a lot of ideas in this. There are ideas in this. And by the end of the issue, what you really find is on my third or fourth pass, I'm still picking up threads of things that I don't know what in the heck any of it means. And sometimes that's good. If it's a story that you really, really want to get tied into, and if this is something that appeals to you, something with, you know, the secrets and the the reasons behind things and the people in power, maybe getting overthrown by someone who deserves it, I don't know. I'm just kind of turned off by it because it feels like a very cynical take. There are several gentlemen who resemble the Duck Dynasty uh, fellows who show up with guns halfway through the story and are clearly in the manipulation of somebody, but then one man shows up from high enough in the cryptocracy that he takes them down in mere seconds, and it just... Boy, I don't know. It is a... It's an interesting story. It is full of plot hooks and interesting bits that I do not want to read any more about. So... It's hard for me to tell you that it's a bad comic because it is really very well drawn. There are very clever bits of dialogue. There's a lot of thought put into this world. There's a lot of stuff in here where they've either done their math and their research or I truly believe is that one or both of the creators is heavily into all of these secret societies and, and uh, hidden things and they want to make a story that makes it all kind of come together in a big smash up like maybe League of Extraordinary Gentlemen where everything is true and everything happened and it's all part of the story. If that appeals to you, definitely check it out. I would give it three slices of meatloaf with the caveat that I am not coming back for any more of this meatloaf. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a good meatloaf, but it is a meatloaf with which I have nothing more to do. And, you know, again, that's not because of a failing on the creator's part. So, yeah, that thing. Three slices of meatloaf for cryptocracy, number one. It's a weird book. I'll give it that. All right. There you go, Matthew. Uh, Ashley, here is a book from DC Comics that is out this week that mm-hmm. I figured you were wanting to review. So I did <laughs> not uh, did not snatch it and uh, read it. But uh, I, am, <laughs> I am very interested to find out what your take is on Flintstones, number one. It is a book that many of us are concerned with how DC will approach it. So uh, please uh, let us let us know. Right. So I definitely had concerns because I've pretty much been behind the whole Hanna-Barbera update, upgrade, however you want to look at it, that they've been doing. Um, I love Feature Quest. I really, really love Scooby Apocalypse. I think what they're doing with Wacky Raceland is really crazy. But I was like, really? Like the Honeymooners? That's what you're going to do in a comic? We couldn't have a nice Jetsons comic. That's what I was rooting for. Um, you know, I saw, I saw the same cover art that everyone else saw. Uh, it was, it was good art, but I didn't find it particularly exciting. Uh, and then I got to read it and I was like, I'm not going to miss up reading this because it might be a train wreck and that might be just as entertaining as if it's amazing. It turns out it's actually amazing. Um, Flintstones number one written by Mark Russell with art by Steve Pugh. P-U-G-H, pew, pew, pew. Sure. I don't know. I'm sorry about that. Um, it is right off the bat, immediately, it's about social issues and the way a society works and the way that the people who make up the society, who, to be fair, is mostly Fred Flintstone, 
um, you know, how what his day is like. Uh, there's a really funny introduction to the premise. There's a really beautiful splash page where you see, like, instead of a Target, they have a tar pit. Instead of a Starbucks, they have a Starbucks. Like, it's really, you could spend, like, 20 minutes looking at the art on the splash page that gives you an overlay of what Bedrock is. But Mr. Slate, who is uh, Fred's boss at the quarry, he has a bunch of Cro-Magnums who've come, uh, not Cro-Magnums, Neanderthals, but he keeps calling them Cro-Magnums, even though it offends them and they don't want to be called Cro-Magnums. Mm. But because they have no sense of, uh, of work or money, they're going to be slave labor. And it's Fred's job to convince them to work for Mr. Slate. Uh, which becomes this whole ethical, moral issue. And there are characters with uh, PTSD. We have a scene with a meeting of veterans. And it's just surprisingly apt in the way it addresses a lot of very serious issues in modern society that people have tried to address in comics that are darker and grittier and inherently more serious and have done less well. They really all feel like real people, which is amazing because <laughs> we've all watched the Flintstones and the, the 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 sketch of those characters is definitely broad um Fred is uh, the way he's drawn he's like a weird Superman amalgamation because mm. at the right angle you're like oh you're a classically good-looking comic character with really big thighs and then at another angle you're like oh no you're definitely like a prehistoric person so I feel like the art and the narrative uh, it does all that it can to sort of unsettle your expectations of what the book is going to be. And it really does it for the betterment of what this narrative is going to be. I didn't realize that it would be such an interesting look at a lot of major issues in our society. Uh, but luckily, all the prehistoric animals still talk. So you will get a laugh out of Wilma while she's doing her cave paintings at home. And uh, there is a really nice couple moment right toward the middle that I don't want to spoil for anyone, but it'll make you go, aw. So if you're reading uh, the current Superman and you want more of that vibe, Flintstones might be the book for you. Uh, definitely five out of five slices of meatloaf because I was so taken aback by how amazing it is on all fronts and <laughs> cannot recommend it to people enough. So wow. do one of the dinosaurs say it's a living? They don't. But we get, you get something similar. They'll get there. All Laugh right. track. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm, I'm excited about this. I've got the uh, copy right here that uh, I want to read, but I was waiting for your review first before, uh, before I crack it open. <laughs> now, the nice thing is Ashley knew of our concerns, and uh, she, she tweeted me over the weekend. She's like, Stephen, this is really good. So, uh, good. I listen to the dueling reviews. I know stuff. <laughs> good, 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 good. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for us this week? I have a comic book uh, named Little Red Fish, Little Red Fish number four, uh, which I was like, oh, it's a comic called Little Red Fish. And as it turns out, it is. A, <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> uh, yeah. As it turns out, it is a uh, animal based retelling of the Iranian Revolution. What? What? Yeah. yeah, it's really yeah. it's really interesting. I believe, Dude, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> the first issue was was up for one of the big uh, awards. Was that last year or two years ago? This book has been very slow in coming out. And yeah, I'm, if and I'm not mistaken, you've reviewed the first issue, Rodrigo. Uh, I don't. I had not. I, I was not familiar with Little Red Fish, um, but I am now, in that I read this. <laughs> 
And uh, it's it's first off, the art is really good. It's really approachable. The fish are really cute, but it, it has a really specific style. It's not it's not like little goofy cartoon fish. Um, the fish look like fish. Um, and they do hold weapons and, and gesticulate with their fins and stuff. But other than that, they're mostly fish-like. Uh, they're fighting a war with the heron, uh, which are a bunch of herons. Um, and they, uh, this is kind of like the turning point in that war. They kind of have this like little chosen one, the, uh, little red fish in question. And he is trying to unlock the power of a magical orb to, uh, be able to fight off the heron. Um, so... Uh, it it has a really interesting vibe. There's something about it, like the way the characters talk and um, the way that the panels are arrayed a lot of the time that gives it a really kind of like off-putting feeling in a good way. There's a scene where it's almost entirely, or a, a page that's almost entirely textless where a bunch of little fish kill a heron um, and there's like, blood in the sea and it's all very like um stylistically uh, interesting and then there's like a final panel where the little red fish is like he's dead let's go and he's like a cute little fish um so it it's like it is a little murder fish yeah it is it's like really off-putting it it reminds me a little bit of like uh some of like the stuff that mignola does um, I don't know if you've ever seen like the the Hellboy stuff where he has like the corpse tied to his back, and all of mm-hmm. a sudden like stuff mm-hmm. will be happening, and you'll just get a panel that's just like the corpse making fun of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or or like stuff where he's like walking through a mystical land, and there's like some weird monster in a tree, and you'll just get like commentary from that guy. It mm-hmm. it like a lot of the time it has that kind of like weirdly jarring like side comment feeling. Um, this is very similar to... Uh, I, I'm sure that just when I mentioned this, you can think of like a thousand anthropomorphic animal wars or anthropomorphic animal retellings of things, mostly water involving mice. in the water. Wow. Yeah, mostly involving uh, mice. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> you... And, uh, and of course, it runs into the same problems, right? It's like the, the, are, are the herons bad guys because herons eat fish you know so it's like what are you saying about them and it's like the the book just portrays them as bad guys the way that like at least the first handful of, of volumes of mouse guard for example portray the weasels as bad guys um but then it also runs into things where it's like oh yeah we like attack them and like attack their like provisions and stuff and it's like i thought you were their provisions you know, it's like there are times when it wants to tell this wartime story, but because you're talking about fish and birds, it like runs into like problems. And this happens anytime you have anthropomorphic animals uh, doing anything or and especially very loosely anthropomorphic animals doing anything because these are fish and birds. They're not fish people and bird people. It's mm-hmm. not like in mouse where, you know, the cats are and the cats and the mice are humanoids of equivalent size. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, you know, little birds and little fish or big birds and little fish. Um, 
it's also, you know, I don't know anything about the Iranian Revolution. There's a lot of stuff here. You can see it in like the architecture of the reef that you can see that it has this like very strong Middle Eastern influence. Uh, there are actual human skulls in it. There's, it's, it's very artistically interesting and everything. Um, but also it runs into this strange thing where I'm like not being familiar. I'm like, well, what does all the actual magic in this represent? Obviously, they're probably not saying that the Iranian Revolution was um, aided by actual magic. Um, there's like a literal magic orb in this. And I'm, it's like, if you're following, you know, they call it Orwellian. And when you look at Animal Farm, for example, which I, which I think is what they're trying to invoke, mm -hmm. uh, you can see the places where it's like, this is the propaganda machine. This is the state. This is the proletariat. This is this. This is that. Right? Even if you're not familiar, you can see how the animals, by virtue of their different species and behaviors, kind of separate themselves into these like social strata. Uh, this kind of doesn't. It's got a lot going on. Um, and it might be my lack of familiarity with the source material, uh, but it also it's it's difficult when they tell you this is an allegory for this, and then there's like magic and like shape shifting. And like half of the people are fish. So um, altogether, I'll give it three slices of meatloaf. Um, and that is like just solidly for the art. The story, I'm personally not connected to. You know, there's no real problem with it. Um, but it's it's hard. It's, it's actually harder to connect to it now knowing what it's supposed to be. I think if I just thought it was just like this little fish versus bird fight, yeah. um, it would actually be more accessible to me. Now I just suddenly have all these questions about how this world works and what it's supposed to mean. Um, and, and questions that can't really can't be answered without a significant amount of research, uh, mm -hmm. which I don't want to do. Um, oh, boo. Because, it would, because it would take a lot of time. Right. So, uh, yeah, if you're just casually getting into fish versus birds, I would say pick this up. Um, otherwise, if you're worried about the rabbit hole or, I guess in this case, uh, reef that you might go down, um, <laughs> trench, I suppose, uh, maybe maybe skip this one. Okay, cool. Uh, out next week from Dark Horse Comics is Conan the Slayer, written by Colin Bunn, with uh, art by Sergio Davila. Or Davila. Uh, this is the next story arc immediately after the last one, where Conan was trying to uh, attack a city. Uh, turns out at the end of that one, didn't go as well as, pl as uh, planned. And this uh, issue opens up with Conan stumbling across the desert, bleeding heavily with some bandits on his tail. He's able to fight them off, but he ends up in the um, in the lair of some raiders. And the interesting thing about this is at one point you think that, oh, this is going to be nice for Conan because he is going to be safe, protected. These people that he's fallen in with uh, have no love for the people that uh, Conan was fighting. But then they kind of uh, are not so good. And so it's almost like he's out of the fire, uh, frying pan into the fire kind of situation. Uh, it's a first story, and with a lot of it, just him stumbling across the desert, bleeding and attacking people. It's interesting if that's what you want in your comic, but I was looking for a little bit more substance. Uh, yes, I know it's Conan. 
Uh, but uh-huh. uh, I was still looking for something a little bit more in-depth. I mean, Conan has had some fantastic adventures over the last couple of years from Dark Horse, and this one kind of felt, I don't know, it, it kind of felt like here's an underdog, and Conan has never been an underdog. He's always been the one to take charge and, and destroy the, the bad guys. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how a uh, bleeding and bloodied Conan will get out of this situation. The art is nice. Um, Conan looks more like a caveman uh, than a regular person like we've seen previously. So a lot of the characters are a little rough around the edges. But there also seem to be kind of, I don't want to say caricatures, but there's a lot of that going on in how the different characters are portrayed and their classes and races and everything are portrayed in this. Uh, So it's okay. I was not super impressed with, with the issue, but I thought it was better than average. And it's deserving three and a half slices of meatloaf from me. That's Conan the Slayer number one out next week from Dark Horse Comics. Of course, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. Check out all sorts of reviews. In fact, you can check out one of our brand new features that we have going on for, I guess, the rest of the first season, Ashley. It's uh, Ashley Takes on Preacher. Heck yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing with that. uh, Every week from... Last Sunday until <laughs> until the end, uh, the fabulous Jason Inman and I are going to be reviewing uh, and recapping Preacher on AMC, and uh, I'm going to be talking about every time the boys take their shirts off. It'll be super fun, happy time. Yeah, good times. How many times do you uh, do you think that people ask him where where Tony Stark is at? Oh my god, I'm sure it's one of those things where he's like, "Ha ha, I never heard that before." <laughs> Except he'd be like more English and polite about it. Yeah, because- there you go. Because British. Yes. All right. Thank you for that. You can check that out over at Majorspoilers.com. You can also check out the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Poll of the Week. Week, 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 week. Uh, so one of our fantastic <laughs> listeners, as always, I love it when listeners send in suggestions for Major Spoilers Polls of the Week. Uh, I guess a little hint, and we've talked about this over the years, is that if you send something in that requires... It's not a simple click answer, but it requires someone to have a paragraph long answer to choose from. It's probably not a good poll idea. (laughs) But one of our fantastic listeners wrote in this week and says, over the years, a number of actors have portrayed Superman's bald nemesis Lex Luthor. Who got it right? Was it Gene Hackman from the uh, Superman uh, movie with Christopher Reeve? Uh, Was it John Shea from uh, The New Adventures of Lois and Clark? Was it Michael Rosenbaum from Smallville, Kevin Spacey from uh, Superman Deadbeat Father, or Jesse, uh, Jesse Eisenberg from the Batman v Superman, or Clancy Brown from Superman the Animated Series? Matthew, who would you pick? See, this is a tough one because I don't I, – I started reading comics in 1982, which means that to me the real Lex Luthor is the guy in the green and purple battle suit who will blow Superman out of the sky and punchy, punchy, fighty, fighty. So none of these guys got it right. But there's one guy on here that mm, did that. There is one guy on here who did that, isn't there? And this is the thing. When I talk about my problems with adaption of comic stories to movies, as much as I love Superman the movie, Gene Hackman is – not like Superman. No, this is the worst part of that movie. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> well, I'm gonna be one of the many you. worst parts of that movie. John <laughs> Shea made me stop watching The Adventures of Lois and Clark in yeah. the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never watched Smallville, so I don't know anything about Dr. Rosen Rosen. 
I have not been able to force myself all the way through, and I've watched it six times, and I have never finished Superman Returns. Six tries, and that's mm -hmm. all you get. And, of course, the final uh, option, Clancy Brown, because there are no other options. There are no other options where a character named Lex Luthor is actually Lex Luthor. I went with Clancy Brown because Clancy Brown's Luthor was just dead, solid, perfect, pure evil. And he made you believe that just this bald-headed guy who runs a multinational corporation was actually a credible threat to Superman. Mm -hmm. This manipulator behind the scenes, this dark voice, this guy who accidentally took over the Flash once for an afternoon... That's I have no idea who this is. I, I have no idea who this <laughs> Perfect is. And the fact, that, the fact that he's voiced by the Kurgan, that he's voiced by frickin' Byron Hadley, who hung Andy Dufresne off the side of Shawshank Prison, just makes it so much more perfect. Yeah. So I had to go Clancy Brown. I just feel like that's one of – that really is one of the quintessential cartoon performances, but Lex Luthor performances of all time. Yeah. Uh, you know who was a better Lex Luthor in Smallville? It was John Glover who played Lionel Luthor. <laughs> yes, he was an okay Lex Luthor. He was really good at being creepy, and I really liked him in that. So every time I think Lex Luthor in Smallville, I I always think of John Glover for some reason. But yes. uh, I did I watched uh, Mountains of Madness the other day, and he plays a small role in that movie as this crazed doctor that runs the asylum. And he's got that John, long John Glover, beautiful mane that he was sporting in Smallville. It was really creepy to see him a little bit younger in that. But uh, uh, John Glover, I thought, was a better Lex Luthor than Michael Rosenbaum. Michael Rosenbaum, I thought, played the most conflicted of the <laughs> Lex Luthors. But by far the best Lex Luthor is, of course, Clancy Brown from Superman, the animated series. And, and in fact, the entire uh, Justice League animated uh, universe, Batman, the animated series universe, in that he is just ruthless. And he comes off, a, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, but Steven, it's animated. It doesn't matter. It's still acting. And they still have to bring emotion out through those characters. And uh, Clancy Brown grabbing the hand of Darkseid as they try to uh, uh, control mm -hmm. the, uh, the uh, Omega power or whatever it is. Yes, uh, anti -life. was life. The anti-life equation was brilliant in that episode, and I loved every bit of it. So my vote goes to Clancy Brown. Ashley, what say you? Well, you've said it best, and I'm just going to agree with everyone. Clancy Brown, he was my first Luthor. He will be my only Luthor. There's no one who can compete. What is what is wrong with um, Kevin Spacey, Rodrigo? Or maybe that's who you were going to pick. <laughs> You mean his Lex Luthor? Or just yeah, his, his his Lex Luthor. <laughs> what is wrong I, I with Kevin, Kevin Spacey? Kevin Spacey's a, a great uh, actor. Um, yes. Honestly, I think most of these guys do a great job um, in in other roles, uh, at least. Uh, I, so uh, obviously, I went with Clancy Brown because he's the complete Luthor. Right. Um, Kevin Spacey, you can feel the like mean businessman side of Luthor, mm -hmm. but when it comes down to that execution of that like quiet madman that isn't like jumping around and doing weird things, um, you kind of lose him in that. And, and that's why I just was just never kind of really couldn't go along with JC, Jesse Eisenberg, right? Mm -hmm. Jesse Eisenberg is more Jim Carrey's Riddler than he is, uh, yes. Lex Luthor. Um, 
Uh, Michael and, Rosenbaum and is, is a really good Joker, by the way. Yeah, Michael Rosenbaum uh, would have been a great grown-up Luthor had Smallville like kind of like continued, and then like it had like really truly like split them up and be like, you know, it would have given you that relationship of like Clark, we used to be friends, kind of stuff. Um, but uh, it because we started seeing him as a baby, it kind of turned into something else. The entirety of Smallville kind of went in its own direction as like a show has to right so it doesn't give you that iconic lex luthor uh gene hackman you know it's like in a way kevin spacey was doing gene hackman as well mm-hmm. um so yeah for me that like manipulative smart and sometimes puts on a giant green and purple suit like the complete lex luthor is that clancy brown performance from the justice league cartoons from superman the animated series mm-hmm. do you think it's also i mean Again, nothing as Michael Rosenbaum, because I think he portrayed the most conflicted of all the Luthors because he yeah. was really conflicted yeah. of, you know, do I really want to be friends with somebody who is not in my class or, you know, station in life? Right. Or do I want to be really, truly evil like my father? And I I know that Smallville went on for, what, almost 10 years? 10 years, nine years, something like that. So many years. So, so many years. But, you know, I'm wondering if it's because we got to see more clancy brown doing lex luthor than michael rosenbaum doing lex luthor well the thing is that we uh, associate when, more with that or, or what's the deal so i think like uh so this happens uh when you're writing characters or even uh what my experience a lot of it is like with role-playing games you're like okay i want my character to be this and you're like mm-hmm. okay well let's do like a little prelude for that character and in the process they become something else mm-hmm. yes. um, and it's the same thing with writing when we see the Clancy Brown Lex Luthor, he's already Lex Luthor. This whole, like, let's get Superman and Lex Luthor to the point where they're going to be enemies. It's like, for nine years of writing, it's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly difficult to try to get them to a point. So, yeah, they grew, they changed, they turned into different people. Mm-hmm. And they just never get there. Um, Tom Welling, Superboy, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Tom Welling, uh, Super whatever, never becomes that Superman that we expect and neither does Lex Luthor. Superboy yeah. Prime. And the thing about Luthor is uh, the, the Michael Rosen Rosen Luthor is not the villain. He is the character that we know is supposed to be the villain, but we're kind of rooting for him in the character. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the actor is really, really compelling and really charismatic and that's why they did it. And there's a reason why so many people who watched Smallville believe that Clark and Lex is the greatest love story of all time because the characters have such, you know, such a backstory and such a buildup and it really built like a romance. And you get to the point where no Lex turns evil and bad and ah, ha ha ha, but they never, they never executed. And even, well, of course that was the whole point of the show. They couldn't Right. that the last moment of that show has to be, you know, it's the same problem that i have with gotham mm-hmm. you can't you can't finish the show you've got gilligan's island syndrome you've got voyager syndrome if somebody finds the island and brings them home then the show ends when superman becomes superman and lex becomes a villain the show ends so obviously they they went so many different places and that you know the actor i don't know i watched something with him called sorority boys it's probably one of the worst movies i've ever seen <laughs> but i watched it because he's hysterical yeah and he's in a dress yeah. And you're just like, okay, this 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 character is cool. I like this guy. He's awesome. I would watch him 
pretend to be Lex Luthor. Well, he has, you know, uh, Rosenbaum did go on to continue, and he's, I think he still does voiceover work for Warner Brothers. He was a Flash. He voices in, the Flash. Yeah, he voices the Flash in the Justice yeah. League Doom movie. He was mm-hmm. the Flash in Infinite uh, Crisis video game. He played the Drift Leader in uh, Justice League Throne of Atlantis. He, he plays a ghoul in Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of voiceover work. I'm I'm really impressed with that. So you know who we're missing? Who's that? <laughs> Lyle Talbot, the first man to play Lex Luthor on the screen in Adam Man vs Superman back in like 1949. Yeah, sure. I mean, we're missing probably other people. We could have put the guy. No, probably. Not. We could have put Lyle uh, Ted, Ted White. Could have put uh, Ted White on there from uh, Superman the Animated or the uh, Justice League animated series. So Ted yeah, White. Sure. I don't know. Who that was. I mean, we didn't put we didn't put any of the uh, animated series stuff in there except for Clancy Brown because he's one of the most recognizable. And it looks like from the way everyone's voted that uh, that he is in the lead, Matthew. A little bit right now. I am looking at 93 votes in the bag, a full 68 percent or seven to one. Uh, Clancy Brown, 4%. So three people said Jesse Eisenberg is the Bex Les Luthor, 6% Kevin Spacey, 17% Michael Rosenbaum, one Lois and Clark fan loves John Shea, 3% of the vote for Gene Hackman, who, don't get me wrong, Gene Hackman did a fun, weird, entertaining character. You can't not look at Gene Hackman in Superman the movie. But he never felt Luthory to me. I kind of I feel like... Uh Gene Hackman, they were like, you're going to be in the Superman movie. And he's like, oh, okay, I will play a comic book character. Yes, I'll play a cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then he's got Otis with him, who's clearly playing a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, listeners, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Cast your vote in the Major Spoilers poll of the week. Uh, I have yet to see the extended cut. I've, I've had it sitting on my uh, iTunes for the last couple of weeks now. I've yet to see the extended version of Batman v Superman, so I don't know if Jesse Eisenberg, uh, if his character gets more development or comes across in a different way than it was in the theatrical release. So that may be something worth checking out. I don't know. No. No, uh, you don't. Have you seen the movie yet? No. Okay, then, then maybe we should hold off that statement until... We've no. actually watched the movie. Uh, I, I have a negative opinion of something that I haven't seen. Sure you can. Uh, show this week is sponsored by Tweaked Audio. TweakedAudio.com has a great number of styles, different colors. You uh, got an optional microphone there on your headphones. I used mine a lot this weekend. It was really cool. I was sitting up in uh, Kansas City. And, um, we took my son up there to see the um, Sporting KC soccer team play. And so I was writing an article for Major Spoilers about our 10th anniversary and across the street from our hotel was um, some minor league baseball team. They were having their um, ball game. And so at the end of that game, they were shooting fireworks off. And because I didn't want to hear the noise of kids fighting in the hotel room, I'd put my tweaked audio earbuds in and had cranked up some Beethoven. And it just mm-hmm. kicked into Ode to Joy right when I was finishing up uh, the, the article that I was writing. Fireworks are going off. Ode to Joy is playing. It was a fantastic moment. <laughs> On a July 4th. So it was it was really incredible. And it's all due, in part, to Tweaked Audio earphones. And listen, you can head over to Tweaked Audio right now, and you can enter the code uh, MAJOR at checkout and get 33% off the price. A lot of people are checking these headphones out, you guys. Um, it's fantastic to see so many of you checking them out and then responding that, yes, we are right. We've been saying this for, I don't know, eight years or something on this show. Tweaked Audio uh, earbuds are great, and you should check them out. Thank you, Tweaked Audio, for supporting this episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. 
Okay. It has been 10 years since this da, website, Majorspoilers.com, started. And uh, I thought maybe we could reflect on that or talk about it or whatever. I don't know what, I really don't know what to say in this segment, except that, hey, we're 10 years old. Hooray. That's great. Yay. I mean. It is weird. Is it weird? It is, because I think back to when we started doing the things that we do. Uh, it's a time that Ashley calls when I was 12. And Shut up. <laughs> I remember sitting in my cubicle at my terrible wear a suit and tie to proofread bags of dog food jobs and secretly reviewing comics in another window where my supervisor couldn't see me at a point where I'm like, I wanted to get in two reviews a day so that it was like, yeah, it's a, on the internet is two reviews a day. And I think of that, and it feels like another planet. It feels like I'm I'm thinking of a different human being entirely. Well, I mean, it is a lot. A decade is a long time because when Major Spoiler started, it was July third, two thousand six. That's the the day that um that I launched everything, mm-hmm. and I was sitting in an older house that uh, that we were in. Uh, my wife and I had been married for like four years uh, at that point, so I was sitting in the kitchen doing all this on a laptop. And 10 years later, I've got two kids. We're in a better house. I've quit my day job to focus on major spoilers uh, full time. We've increased the number of people that contribute. We've increased the number of podcasts that we're doing. I mean, it's just when you think back to that that small beginning in a kitchen, it's kind of weird to think that that many years have passed. Ashley, when did you when did you come on board with with major spoilers? When did you first find us? Earlier this spring. Yes. Well, I like to think of that as the glorious days when I had just gotten to know uh, Mr. Jason Inman, ah. who may or may not be joining us yeah, yeah. at any moment. Uh, and I was like, hey, I need podcasts to listen to. And he was like, you should probably listen to Major Spoilers. It's my favorite podcast. Uh, and trusting his taste, it did not lead me awry uh, back in those golden days of 2013. 2013. Now, were you, were you working at a comic book shop at the time? I you was. you first started listening? I I was, in fact, I was working at Blast Off Comics in uh, North Hollywood, California. Woohoo! And so, how did this show influence how you did your job? It influenced the stuff that I read because probably the coolest thing about working at a comic shop is that you basically get free reign to read whatever you want. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And for a long time, whatever you guys were reviewing, I would read. Um, after I'd already listened to your oh, reviews. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, a lot of people, a lot of people so do that. Do I, mean, uh, I think one of the things that I'm most happy with is trying to get exposure for both Lock and Key and Atomic Robo. And 10 years, I keep saying people read Atomic Robo. And when people finally read it, they're like, holy crap, this has been a great series. Where has it been all my life? So yeah, Lock and Key was, was the first volume was out of print when uh, I first heard of it from you guys. Mm, so I had to mm-hmm. wait for it to come back into print to read. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Well, I'm glad that people get something out of that. Rodrigo, do you remember when you first <laughs> when you first started, uh, you know, experiencing major spoilers? Uh, yeah, it was because I worked with this guy and he's like, hey, uh, there's this website that a friend of mine does. And I'm like, OK, well, that's something to kill time with at work. And, you know, I remember because uh, I'd seen other comic book websites and there was something that was like really kind of shilly about them. Um, 
like they were like, oh man, oh man, this new Secret Wars two from Marvel is gonna be so fantastic, you guys. Like <laughs> before anything happened, and uh, you know, major spoilers had a lot more of an even tone hmm. um, about you know upcoming things. So that that kind of drew me there. Uh, we actually uh, this this other guy who uh, turned out to be Scroll Brian. We later found out. Uh, him and I, <laughs> we actually interviewed Stephen about a podcast. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Back, so that's actually when I first met Stephen. And for a while, those guys would like talk about comics. I'd be like, I, I like comics. comics yeah, cool. yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Fine, kid. Gosh. Fine, young yeah, little gosh, son. Go, yeah. go sit over in the corner. No, uh, I remember that because um, before the Major Spoilers podcast, which is it's only eight years old. Before the Major Spoilers mm-hmm. podcast, I was doing podcasting on consumer technology, technology in general. And that was like 2005 or something like that. And so that's probably when Rodrigo and I first met, mm-hmm. uh, was there and, or maybe shortly, shortly after major spoilers started, maybe 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's interesting that we were knew each other that far back. Um, cause they, they, Brian and Rodrigo did come and do a whole segment on what podcasting is. And since I guess I was the only one that they knew in the area, yeah, by that far. Was doing like, it. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then that's how we got some some notice there. <laughs> I remember when I met Rodrigo. Well, you know, when when as far as the podcast goes, you know, the podcast eight years old, uh, the site ten years old, and people are like, "Well, why didn't you do the podcast and the site at the same time?" It's because I was doing this technology podcast. We were under contract. My friend Charlie White and I were under contract with um, uh, what's his name, MTV guy. Dan Cortez. Uh, no, not Dan Cortez. Um, <laughs> Adam, Adam, Adam Curry. Adam Curry. Adam, we were, Adam West. We were under a contract with his podcast company to do shows exclusively for them. And any new podcast that we started, according to the contract that we signed, they could also claim ownership of. And there was no way that I was going to give up any ownership on anything related to major spoilers. And so when 2008 rolled around and our contract coming, came up for renewal, Charlie and I were both like, look, we're going to do other podcasts and you guys can have no control of that. And they were like, eh, okay, I suppose. And um, <laughs> then I think it was just two years later after that, we were like, we're done with you guys. And so then we could just pursue the major spoilers podcast and everything we wanted to do here, full blown without worrying about um, stuff being taken away from us. So that's why the podcast started two years after because I would have probably started it probably within that same year as uh, the, the site started if it hadn't been for, for contracts and worrying about lawsuits and stuff. So there's a little bit of stuff people may not have known about. Now, I've never heard that story. <laughs> yeah, we did a show called The Coolness Roundup, and it was a tech show for that. everyone. We were doing a tech show that was basically, hey, let's explain consumer technology to people that aren't really – technology people, you know, what's a DVR? Why is a DVR cool? How did, you know, what kind of things should you be looking for in a big screen TV or a home theater system? Those are things that we were doing. And why does a dongle and why you shouldn't pull on it? Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, go blind. And so we got hooked up with the Adam Curry, whatever that was pod show. I forget what their, what their network was pod style, something like that. Uh, but we ended up getting our show up on Sirius XM for like almost a year because wow. of that contract. So that was kind of cool. But that would be neat. very few people followed 
uh, over from uh, Coolness Roundup over to Major Spoilers. Uh, those two totally yeah, different, different audiences. Different, yeah, yeah, to- two totally yeah. different audiences. But yeah, different breeds of nerds is what yeah, you're yeah. looking at. There. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, question: mm-hmm. This uh, we so we had some questions up over the weekend for listeners to fill in. What was your favorite moment from the last ten years? I figured we could all answer that. Uh, why don't we start with uh, Matthew, who's been here the second longest? Well, it was October of 2006. Uh, I think, honestly, really my favorite moment, and I've probably talked about it before, which will make this incredibly anticlimactic, but uh, we had been working with Major Spoilers for a very long time. We'd been doing Critical Hit for probably four years before I met everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the year that the first year that I went to Nerdtacular, I believe, was 2014, something like that. Yeah. So I, you know, show up. I'm I'm driving. I'm going to Stephen's house. I know vaguely where Stephen's house is. At this point, I had met Brian and Rob, and we'd spent an afternoon making a character for one of these critical hit off seasons. But I had never met Rodrigo, and it was this huge moment where I'm like, oh my god! Think of the buildup. I've been talking to this guy more than I talked to my family for seven years. Years. So it's seven o'clock in the morning and I get out of my car and I lean on my car and Rodrigo's like, hey, I'm like, hey, how's it going? And that's the story of how I actually met Rodrigo. (laughs) (laughs) But it was one of those moments where, you know, it, it, the physical presence was like, oh, yeah, that's what that guy looks like. But we had been, you know, I, I think we're friends for years before that. And we had had a lot of discussions. We'd had a lot of interactions, you know, and th- this is a human being who knows as much about me as, you know, pretty much a lot of people in the universe, maybe most of them, because we've had discussions off the air that if, mm. if honestly, if Steven ever airs them, I quit. But, <laughs> oh, really? Is that all it takes? Yeah. It's, it's now up well, to, that, it's now up to five and a half hours. A lot of them would get a suit anyway. That's true. Oh no, this is it's the Matthew shows, and it's all don't, these outtakes of Matthew don't. from <laughs> I, from I, when I we're recording. You know, and not recording. spoiler. You think you want to hear this, but you don't. No, you really don't. It's horrible. You don't. Although, although I will say, it's if I terrible. edit it down, and it's from it's the, a little bit cruel and mean spirited of you to actually have it. No, he said hinting broadly. It's it's there are some <laughs> there are some things that I think are hysterically funny that. Uh, I, you know, there's the whole thing. And, well, I think we actually included part of this in a dueling review not too long ago. But um, you were in a in a grumpy mood. And I and I was recording before we were talking. And I was like, Matthew, you're always so grumpy. And you're like, I'm not grumpy. And then just off to the side, you can hear your wife going, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just like, ah, that's a Matthew. That's a Matthew show track right there. So that some of them are cool. some of it are really good. Some of it needs to be edited way down. But uh, there's definitely sixty minutes of comedy gold yeah. in there somewhere. Rodrigo, yeah. what's been what's been your favorite moment from the last ten years? I think a, a lot of my favorite moments did happen off air. We have some entirely unairable like laugh <laughs> laugh fests. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's, like there's a discussion like, that I can, I can't even I no, can't, we even, can't even we can't even reference about. it by name. We, no, it's there's terrible. nothing that we can do. But it was so terrible, and it's it's probably the funniest thing I've ever heard you say. And yeah. no, you don't want to hear it. Yeah. I, I I want you to know you don't want to hear it. Faithful spoiler rights, but God, it was funny. Yeah. Um, 
there's been a, a few of those on air and and a lot of the time they come from confusion i remember we talked about one time when it's like oh yeah this guy's really hunky and i was like i was like hunky it's like yeah nobody's like how I was talking to you guys, and you were like, "Yeah, no one's, no one's ever called me hunky." And I'm like, "Really? Because I'll call you a honky right now." <laughs> I was like, "I didn't realize you were talking about it with a you." <laughs> it's that Midwestern accent. You can't tell yeah. if we're talking it's about a like, pin they or sound a the pen. Same. They sound roughly the same. Yeah. 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 Ash- Ashley, what about you? Do you have a favorite moment? Jason, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite moment is probably um very selfishly the first time i was ever on the major spoilers podcast um because steven let me come on and talk about my six page witchblade story like two years ago and i was super nervous um and he was very kind and it was i don't know it means a lot to me i'm you know i'm trying to remember at what point i was just like you ever thought about just writing for us (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it was because I was some Jason was doing something. I think he was doing the Jason uh, reads comics uh, show for us each week. And then I had heard that you were doing the Witchblade stuff. And then I somehow I was just like, Jason, you think you could ask her if she'd be even interested in writing for us? Because I don't think I even had your email address at the time. Uh, I don't think you did either, but I remember having to send you samples. I remember that like distinctly and I was like, I don't have any good samples. Oh, I do that with everybody. <laughs> Only because here's the reason why, you know, that, that I... Uh, somebody else had sent me something this week and says, oh, I'd really like to write with major spoilers. And we've had a number of fantastic writers over the years. Uh, many of them have moved on to different projects and different things. But we've got new people always coming on. John has been doing a great job as one of our newer writers. Uh, but the reason why I want people to send in a sample and sometimes while I, the reason why I sit on it for so long before responding to people is I want to see if someone can write in our format. So it's just like here's our, here's our general format and the way that we do things. Submit something so I can see if your your writing style fits in with the overall format that we do. And then the reason why I sit on it for like two weeks or more is because I want to see if someone's really interested in writing for us because, and I don't want to put John to make fun of him, but for like every day for like two weeks, he was like, so have you had a chance <laughs> to read this yet? I'm really interested in writing for you. And so it's like, yes, this is somebody that is really cool and, and uh, that we want to take the time and and bring in and, and do things with us. And certainly Ashley was one of those people that was like, you know, Ashley would be a really good addition to yeah. uh, the site and to everything that we do. And here now she's gone on and even surpassed what we do here. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't like think Internet that's famous. true. I would merge. You are a shopster. In, I mean, in, in the carpool lane. I can't drive in the carpool lane. I mostly drive alone. Aww. <laughs> Aww. But uh, I can, but I do too. I mean, look at what you're doing. You're you're now working for Top Cow. I you, am. You are. Uh, I'm now picking the talent hunt winners. Ah, see, you've gone from the from the winning talent to picking the winning talent. Uh, <laughs> Pay it forward. Yep. Uh, you uh, you've got internet celebrity with your red shirt diaries, and you've got uh, your um, video summaries that you guys are doing. All I mean, the time I'm no Jason John. Inman. Uh, you're well, right up there. Yeah. You're right up there. <laughs> But as then again, who is? Yeah. yeah. Right. It's an impossible standard, really. Only me. <laughs> Jason Inman. Jason Inman, what are you doing here? What? Uh, you know, by the way, I want to pick out my favorite moment for the Major Sports podcast is way, way, way back when you guys reviewed Watchmen. Okay. 
That was oh a my. really, really long time ago because I first came across your podcast because back in 2009, I had a job where I drove every day in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, selling paint to car stores. Ugh. And the Major Spoilers podcast and their old episodes uh, were the only reason why I got through that. And I can't remember like what specifically it was about the Watchmen review, but I remember like that podcast. You guys made me laugh a lot during that. And this was pre-Zach days. Oh, right, right. Um, Oh, so Zach came in and it was all downhill from there. Yeah, which is all Zach wrote. And then Zach left and it got even worse. We're looking at the horizon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I want to just point out to everybody, which I think is very funny, you guys were talking about Ashley uh, coming onto the show, and I think she's a, a great addition as well. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, I sent in a email to Stephen in uh, 2009 asking yep. to write for the site. Yep. I have never heard a reply. Nope, never heard a reply. <laughs> but but that same young kid kept sending me these videos. He's like, hey, man, ch- hey, man, come check out my video. I'm dressed as Batman. And I was for like, oh. <laughs> can, and, can I ask? Uh, how you guys all finally found out that you shared Kansas as a uh, as a homeland home base? Well, Jason had been doing doing some videos every once in a while, and I would post them, and I liked them a lot. And I don't know which came first, Jason. If you were, I don't know if you had started doing the Jason reviews comics uh, reads comics show for us, or if you had done the. Um, tour of your hometown video but i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that's where i was like what you're from kansas i remember it being actually this video that i made called wolverine the wild where i just had a guy in a wolverine costume and i remember you (laughs) contacted me and being like can i put that video on on the website and i was like yeah and then i think right after that was when i made the kansas video yeah yeah and so i was just like oh i didn't know you're from kansas either and so that's that's kind of interesting and it's interesting that even though we're all from Kansas. Everyone thinks that we're all from the same town. But right. yeah, Smallville. It's, it's such a small Smallville. state, really. Yeah. Well, uh, but when you well, compare well, where Jason the- lives to where Matthew and uh, Matthew lives now and where I grew up and then where I live now, those are three to four different geographically yeah, various regions of the state. Parents. See, yeah. Stephen lives in a desert. Pretty much. High and desert. I live in the uphill part. Where there's trees in the desert. <laughs> and Jason basically lived in the Ozarks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I, I have a question for you guys that I, okay. I'm very curious. Since I, I've gone from fan to spoilerite and 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 spoilerite veteran, I would assume now. Collaborate. Um, oh no, you're you're yeah. welcome anytime. <laughs> yeah. You're spoilerite. What, what, you uh, what do they call those? What I don't I don't know. A spoiler army or whatever. I don't know. Um, my question Spoileroid. Is, Spoiler alert, I like that. It sounds like something you need some preparation age for. Oh. No, Stephen. <laughs> it's not always a, about that. Jason, what is your Ten question? years. <laughs> my, my question for you guys is, is there a book that you guys have reviewed for the podcast? Because when I first started, you guys reviewed like graphic novels. It was, it was the weekly thing, and now you right. changed the format, but you still do it. Um, was there a graphic novel that you didn't know about before you had to review it to the podcast? that has now become like one of your favorites. And I'd love to hear the answer. Like if all three of you have an answer. Hmm. Hmm. That is a good one. Hmm. That's a homework <laughs> yeah, uh, question. So, uh, yeah, that really is kind of. Yeah. I, so for me, uh, Matthew actually introduced me to uh, that. Um, I guess it's technically a trade. It's, a, it's an arc of Spider-Man where Spider-Man is trying to stop the juggernaut. Oh yeah. 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 That has become yes, one of my favorites. Yep, nothing can stop the juggernaut. It's a it's a great piece of writing. It's like 
classic Marvel and that like transitional period between we have to explain everything and let's just draw it, man, because it's comics. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a great story. It's like one of the few, one of the early and almost last times where the Juggernaut is a serious threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's a it's a really solid <laughs> yeah. story, and I got introduced to it because Matthew suggested it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe for me it might be, it might be that complete Daredevil omnibus, the Frank Miller run, um, only because mm. I hadn't read it, but I had the book, and I was like, well, let's do it, and it turned out to be one of our longer shows. It may have been the last Scroll Brian show, because after that he's like, man, I can't keep spending my my Saturdays with you guys, sure. but um. <laughs> I want to say probably that Daredevil run in that omnibus form might have been the one that I liked the most. Yeah. Mine's easy. Because when you say, was there a comic that you hadn't read before the podcast? Generally, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I read a, just a buttload, a metric buttload of comics. But the one that uh, got lost in the mail when uh, I sent it back to Stephen, and totally I don't know where it ever went, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, he loaned me like the first four or five volumes of those, and we later, I think, did we review all of them together? Yeah, somebody would, somebody had uh, posted on Twitter today. He's like, "Oh man, I'm just starting to read the Scott Pilgrim stuff. I, I wish you guys yeah. would review it." I'm like, "Well, we kind of have." I said, and then I we, said, totally "Here's did. the review of the first five volumes. Here's the review of the sixth volume, and then here's our review of the Scott Pilgrim movie." So. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was one of those books that I had never even seen so much as considered because honestly I, I don't I don't think of myself as, you know, the only a superhero guy. I will read all sorts of things. I'll read anything that comes in a comic book form. I have a Hector Heathcote comic for some reason that I've had for 35 odd years, but when it's away from that that beaten path of hey, check out the Spider-Man Sometimes it's, you don't always catch those things. And having the podcast say, here's this Scott Pilgrim and going, oh, my God, this is great. Mm-hmm. This is the, you know, this is my high school only better. You know, that was that was an experience for me where I love that book and I hated that movie so bad for ruining that book. Mm-hmm. And I've I've come to forgive the movie as a separate piece of, of storytelling. But, then, you know, if you if you go in my room right now. On my side table are all of my Stephen King short stories, volume three and four of Scott Pilgrim, and an X-Files TV guide from 1994 for some reason. But yeah, that that was the one that really stuck out to me. There have been a lot of things that I hadn't heard of that we looked at. Mm-hmm. Um, we did When we did Rivers of London, I'm like, ooh, I like this concept. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago, we did uh, Coney Waves, which was basically this weird island adventure mystery thing oh, with yeah, this yeah. hot chick. Yeah, mm-hmm. surfer, surfer Columbo, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, I kind of, I kind of like this, and then I'm like, eh, well, and, I th- and I think that's one of the reasons why we moved away from, you know, the all time classic tales. Although we still pick those up every once in a while, especially with the reader suggestion stuff, mm-hmm. um, and why we move into well, here's a collected trade that's being put out by this company that. Maybe we know about, maybe we don't know about, but maybe we should review it because it is something that's newish and right. more um, relative to the the time that the podcast comes out. And it may be something new that we've never read before and may find out that we like it. So great question, Jason. And I may never no forgive you guys. For we should we should have Jason just uh, interview us for the rest of this show. Interview us, sure. Jason. Well, I was. It's gonna... only your job. Well. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was going to say, I think you guys just came up with a new segment just through the discussion that I think uh, every podcast you check in with Matthew and find out what's on on Thursday in 1994. <laughs> okay. Well, so that's really kind of cool because, you know, when, when we look at some of the things that we've been able to do, thanks to major spoilers, uh, we've got to talk to some of our of our favorite people in the whole wide world. I mean, one of our first big interviews was Mark Wade. Uh, now he's never really talked to us since then, but I mean, having Mark Wade <laughs> oh, on the talk, show, talked to him all the time on the internet. I'm like, yeah, Hey, no. Mark Wade. Yeah. No, Mark, is, Mark, Mark Wade is really cool. And I keep wanting to reach out to him and say, we need to get you back on the show again. But, uh, you know, one of and our newest like, show, what show, one of our newest contributors is, um, Rand. And I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, Bolivia, I want to say is how you say his last name, but he is one half of Ukla, the mock, the, uh, the band, is he the mock or is he Ukla? I think he's the Ukla. Okay. Uh, he's because, the da. Because uh, he's the da. originally, it, before the series was called Cromulent Words, it was Ukla Speaks. So the, he is probably the Ukla half of Ukla the mock. But, uh, uh-huh. you know, I reached out to him and said, hey, man, we really want to start using your, your theme song again, Stop Talking Comic Books, as the closing theme again on the show. And I'd, years ago when I reached out to him, never heard back from him. This time I must have hit their social media people just right because Rand happened to be running their Twitter that weekend and I responded right away. And he's and he's like, hey, not only am I um, OK with this, I'm also a fan of what you guys are doing and I want to write for your site. Uh, so you know, those kinds of those kinds of things are cool. And, and when uh, Matthew and I went to um, Planet Comic Con and we got to meet Gail Simone and Francesco Francovia, both of them were like, oh, we really like your site. We really like what you guys are doing. And so, you know, hearing from people that we our fans of yeah. finding out that they're fans of what we do, like Jason and Ashley and everybody else. Uh, yeah. That makes me feel really excited about what we do. I had that this last uh, uh, week on social oh, media. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Tasha Robinson. Tasha Robinson, followed. yeah. And I've been reading Tasha Robinson's work seemingly forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? And, yeah. I went, to, I went to school with Tasha. Well, right? sort of. Yeah. She was one of the names that I learned to trust on a couple of uh, web- yeah, and reviews. Yeah, sites. One of which is defunct, and one of which is is destroyed. And I'm like, oh my god, she's totally following me. And then she's like, dude, I love you on the podcast. And I I completely quetched. I plotsed. I mm-hmm. I went full Yiddish. It was it was the end of everything and the Saurus and the thing in the Glavin, and it was just one of those freaky moments where I could not believe. That someone whose work I admired actually knew who the hell I was. You know, that's just kind of a a strange thing for me. I have a T-shirt from a previous job where we all had our little T-shirts. And instead of our names on the back, they had identifiers for us. One guy had henchmen. One guy had uh, something number one. And mine just said Internet Famous. Mm-hmm. But I don't actually believe that. And I don't believe that anybody's ever heard of me. I know they've heard of the site. And I know they've heard of Rodrigo because, come on, he's Rodrigo. But when yeah. people are like, yeah, I know the stuff that you do, I'm like, God, I'm sorry. What did I do? Yeah. Did I have I, a I... much more anxiety-inducing uh, kind of like relationship with creators because usually I only get contacted by indie guys who I've let it had with both barrels. Yeah. Ooh. And they're like <laughs> – they're always they're usually pretty nice. They're like, hey man, thanks for reviewing the thing. It gets better. Here's like a thing on uh comicsology for the next couple issues. Why don't you check it out? And I rarely ever do. Um oh. but yeah, but that's just because that's kind of what I end up doing is I end up going through these number ones. That tends to be what I'm interested in. Um, you know, it's nothing obviously nothing against them, but it's always like 
you know, I'm like, what exactly did I say about this mm-hmm. actual human beings writing? Oh, uh, during this review. Well, you know, the, it's it's funny. Um, I think it was like issue four of uh, Scott Snyder's run on Batman. And I had said something to, along the lines of, man, this is starting to drag a little bit or something like that. And he reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, uh, thanks for the review. Thanks for being honest about it. Stick with it because it's going to get really good real soon. And sure enough, he was right. It got much better. And so it's really weird when they reach out not to try to coerce us into uh, changing our minds about stuff, mm-hmm. but to say, hey, thank you for being honest in what you're saying. I understand where you're coming from on those things. So that that's nice when creators reach out to us. What's not nice is yeah. when creators reach out to us and say, I'm going to sue you. Here's a season desist. Yeah. You're stupid and your mom's stupid too. Yeah. We've had a few of those over the years. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there there came a time where the you know when you're when you're writing something and you think, I should be funny here. There are a couple of times where you're like, I'm gonna be funny, and one of the things that I I did once a, a long time ago that I will never do again because I realize in retrospect that it was like a turbo douche move was, I believe it was, it was, um, Artie and Sayaf, Sayaf, uh, the artist. It's the first thing I'd ever read with him. And I made a joke about his name being an obvious anagram for something. And then afterwards I'm like, my God, I sound like an ass. So I went back and I'm like, I took that out, but hmm. it had already been up and he had contacted me and, and said something, you know, ha ha. No, that's my real name. But I'm just like, Ooh, I felt like such a jerk. I, I said something at one point. I was reviewing something, and I made a remark about a particular angle chosen by the artist in an issue of Heroes for Hire that seemed a little, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Boobalicious. Pervy. Yeah. And uh, in the comments on the review on the website, he came in and went, hey, here's why I chose that particular shot, and I wanted to break up the sequence and the storytelling. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Did I sound like a jerk? I think the other <laughs> thing I, that am I, I am I a, a douche canoe now? I, I think the other thing that's interesting about reaching out and talking with creators is finding out how many of them actually live near you. Like right. how many of them live here in in Kansas? Like Freddie Williams the Third, B. Clay Moore, mm-hmm. Tony Moore. Yeah. Um, who else is around this area? There's a for lot. For a of while, them. Matt, Matt Fraction was here for a while. Yeah, Jason Aaron. Um, yeah. Rick, Rick Stasi, who used to work for DC and still does work here and there everywhere, is mm-hmm. in Kansas. And then Matt, Matt Kind and Colin Bunner in St. Louis, so they're yeah. not far off. Yeah, they're not yeah. far off, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Jason, what has been, uh, what is a feature that has faded on the site that you would like to see return? Oh man, we've had a lot of different. We've had a lot of different features on the on the Jason site. Jason Reed's years. comics. I would like to see Jason Reed's <laughs> comics return too, right? Wow. There, that's Ashley's answer right there. There you go. That went away just because I didn't have the time to read like twenty five comic books every night. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun feature. I did like that. Sleep yeah. us for the week. Slacker. <laughs> um. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's tough. Um. You know, I, I miss uh, I, I miss a lot of the editorials that used to do yeah. in, in the past, Stephen. Yeah, like you specifically used to do a lot of editorials that I thought were like well spoken, and, and this is definitely not kissing up to the boss. Uh, uh, but I, I I just like you have a very unique perspective because you have worked in the industry, mm-hmm. and now you've pulled out of the industry and you went and taught for a long time. So you look at like I feel entertainment 
from an educational viewpoint that a lot of, I would say, journalists don't. They're Mm. just like, how can I get the most clicks? And I I miss I miss your perspective. Well, that's that's nice that you say that, Jason, because uh, I will be doing more editorials in the future. Uh, There's one already in the queue called um, it's not called F.U. Hal Jordan, but it's basically uh, we don't need Hal Jordan. (laughs) That's what my editorial will be called. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's basically we don't need you, Hal Jordan. And right. um, and it, it'll I appear in a couple a, of weeks. I hope there's a sequel card called Barry Allen Can Suck It. Well, Barry Allen can kind of suck it, but... Um, and is there a third one called Make Love to Me, Kyle Rayner? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but what yeah, else? so there, there will be more of those. And I, I do. I do enjoy when I have time to write. I really have time. And it's really weird that at one point I was doing major spoilers. I was doing podcasts. I was teaching four classes a semester mm-hmm. and doing all of that. And then having a newborn son at the time and juggling all of that in the air at the same time. And then I transitioned from teaching four classes a semester to teaching two classes a semester and sharing a department and doing major spoilers and increasing the amount of podcasts that we had. And somewhere along the way, you know, my ability to spend a lot more time writing kind of went away. Kind of like Jason reads comics. There's just not enough hours in the day to get everything done. But now that I'm making major spoilers my entire process all day, every day, I'm trying to figure out how I had time to do all that other stuff because literally I am up at 6.30 in the morning, take the kids to school, uh, sit down to do major spoilers, and then 4.30 in the afternoon, pick up the kids, do dinner, come and do podcasts, and then still up until 11.30, 12 o'clock at night doing more major spoiler stuff. So it's, I don't know, I don't know how I did it, to be honest. So, but yes, there will be some more creative content for me on the way. Mm-hmm. Matthew, what's a, what's a uh, I think one of my favorite things that has gone away that I'd love to see return are more hero histories. But, uh, well, those haven't really gone away. I have like four of them that I've been planning for the better part of a year. See the, the, the thing about the hero histories that, and this is some back behind the scenes, Hollywood stuff. I used to spend Friday, Saturday, and Sunday writing hero histories. And that is, that is not actually any, any type of exaggeration. That is literally what my weekend was with the exception of the shift at the comic store that I would take. And that was a thing where I love hero histories and I think they will come back and I'd love to have them come back. But I got to tell you, I've seen my daughter and she keeps growing and getting bigger. Yeah. And I, 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 I like that. I, she, no. she's turning into this person that I can interact with. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where I would, I, I have to, and I'm going to find a way to make that a thing again. So don't think that it's gone. Just think of it as like a, a really a long two year break. hiatus. Yeah. It's not um, a two year hiatus. Yeah, last one that you did, it's Hero not, History, not, Wonder Woman, October of 2014. Yeah. See, it won't be two years until October yeah. of 2016. I've got a full six two weeks. Months. Yeah. <laughs> well, together. and to be honest, kids do take up a lot of time, and I enjoy spending time with my yeah. family and, and uh, doing things. Like I would mentioned, we had gone up to do the uh, Sporting KC thing over the weekend, so that was the whole thing, just doing things with the family uh, that entire weekend. And so that does detract from, you know, yeah. uh, major spoiler stuff, but I think it, uh, occasionally we do deserve to take a break from stuff. I'd also love oh, to I see, and I, I keep, I keep hitting, <laughs> I keep trying to convince uh, Bruce, but I would love to see the uh, Major Spoilers Adventures comic strip return too, but. 
That he's would he's be not nice. a, he's not up for that, but that's okay. Rodrigo, what's something that you'd like to see return? I would like to see returned. Mm, uh, honestly, I was I, I had a definitely hero histories. Um, it's just like so convenient, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who is this guy? It's like, oh, reading good. Somebody, comics, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, somebody has done all this research for me already. Um, and it's nice. It's all. It's great too. To um, you know, if you go to the Wikipedia page for like Tyrock or something like that to see that we're referenced, and yet, um, Wikipedia won't let people put up a major spoilers page, like jerks. Well, Noteworthiness, you know yeah, how it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, what's interesting is, what's interesting us. is, right about the same time that um, Hero Histories kind of went into hibernation, there's this thing called the Geek History uh, podcast that totally yeah. bit my shtick. Yeah, that totally uh, picks up from that. So I'm glad to have that as part of the Major Spoilers Podcast <laughs> Network, hosted by Jason and Ashley. You, you know, guys, you guys enjoy doing that, right? That's a great show. Yeah, yeah, we enjoy it. <laughs> I love that one where you had that guy on who yelled about Power Rangers for an hour. Well, you got to be more specific because we we had him on a couple times. Oh, well, you should have him on more. He 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 reminds me of that Torque Kid from Critical Hit. He's got he's got gumption and moxie. You mean the guy who came on and yelled about Doctor Who, or the guy who came on and yelled about Power Rangers? Which guy? I think he also oh. yelled about the Transformers. Oh, and the Transformers too. Yeah, you should totally just make him a regular. <laughs> that guy, I hear, I hear that guy loves you guys. So you know. He's, well, I hear Legion of Superheroes is probably going to come up pretty soon. But I think the way this is going to end is a fight out by the bike racks of the flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, hit us up for one more question before we're we're done this week. All right, here here is a great conclusion question. Okay. In a lot of discussions uh, with a lot of people read comic books, I find that friends like to pick who each other is in a certain superhero universe. So I want to know from each other, Mm. what DC or Marvel characters do you think each other, who do you think you are? Because I have people either tell me that I'm Hal Jordan or Captain America. I think Captain America only because of the veteran thing. Um, I've called Ashley several times. I said that she's either Cassandra Kane or she's Kitty Pride. So between each other, who do you think you who do you think each other is or are hmm. is or I, would, I would probably put uh, Rodrigo as as a uh, doctor occult. Mm-hmm. I would put myself <laughs> down as a uh, Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Oh, I would have put you as Brainiac because you do have evil tendencies. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in the I best do, way possible. <laughs> I do have evil tendencies. Uh, mm-hmm. And Matthew. Well, since he's he's a fond fan of of Bouncing Boy, I'd probably go with Bouncing Boy. Uh, I've had worse. Not arm fall off boy. <laughs> no, not far arm fall off boy because Matthew does serve some purpose. <laughs> arm fall off boy is a perfectly serviceable joke character. Yeah, and you're he, not a serviceable does, joke character. He does. Oh, <laughs> he does what he's supposed to do. Yep, Rodrigo. Hmm. Um, oh, and I forgot Ashley. I would say she's yeah, the unbeatable yeah, squirrel girl. Yeah, I'll take that. I yeah. love. I'm loving some animals. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This one's hard. I'd say uh, Stephen is a calculator. Because um, <laughs> he's always the guy who's calling us up and being like, "Hey, man, I'm, you haven't you haven't done you haven't done any reviews in like a thousand years." Beep, 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 uh, beep. 
Um, Matthew is um, that uh, transformer that's like a full like aircraft carrier. <laughs> I don't know. That's broadside. Just, yeah, broadside that's just rocking. Which one? Yep. That broadside, <laughs> I think, is what it is. Yep. Okay. I think that one that one fits. Um uh Ashley is uh skeets. Yes. Oh F yeah. <laughs> um and, and I am Unicorn Baby. <laughs> right? The Unicorn Baby from Axe Cop. Oh, right, I'm with right. you. Right. I'm with you. All right, Matthew? Well, being as I overthink uh, comic book and superhero junk, I would have to say both the Marvel and DC Universe. On the Marvel side, Steven is 100% Iron Man because he's the futurist. He's the, the bleeding edge techno guy. Mm -hmm. And there are times when you're like, wait, was he being a douche? No, he's actually being a hero. You just have to let him finish what he's saying. Oh, and thanks, Matthew. Rodrigo is Bruce Banner because he's thoughtful. He's deep. He walks away and you hear this beautiful piano. Doo, 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 doo. But you, happen. you do not want to make him angry ever. <laughs> I, I, I think of Ashley in the Marvel universe as basically captain Marvel. She's been around for a while, but suddenly she's in the top tier and kicking the crap out of, you know, even the iron man's and, and the, the people of the world who are like, Oh my God, where'd she come from? She's awesome. And you know, she's got that. Somebody neat literally said to me on Twitter the other day that they were like, well, how come I never heard of you before? And I was like, I don't know, man. That's <laughs> your problem, man. Exactly. <laughs> you need to get out more. And in the Marvel universe, I am uh, that guy who used to drive the Punisher's van. Micro. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like <laughs> totally epically important as long as you're not expecting me to be in every issue. Uh, but in the in the DC universe, it's really simple. Steven is Lightning Lad. Ashley is Saturn Girl. Rodrigo is Cosmic awesome. Boy. And I, I will always and forever, eternally, be Phantom Girl in my bell bottoms and my little cut open top because seventies <laughs> you know, fashion is one of my true passions. I want it to be Gates. <laughs> you can, totally hard Actually, can I throw so out my predictions for who, you, who I think you are real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. I, I think Steven is Robbie Robertson of the Daily Bugle. <laughs> I think Rodrigo is Dog Wilder from Hit Hitman. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's he's aggressive and you don't know what's gonna happen. Um right. and, and, I, end up and he dog does like to walk dogs onto you. Yes. Yes. And I think Matthew is wild dog. <laughs> Ooh, I protect the Quad Cities in a pickup truck. <laughs> I'm like Batman, only nobody's ever heard of me. <laughs> that is a I mean, perfect I, definition I, of what I do. <laughs> I think quite obviously the breakdown should be that Steven is Freddie, Matthew is Daphne, I am Velma, and uh, Rodrigo is is Shaggy because oh. he can talk to Scooby and Scooby is Jason because he's <laughs> often the most entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I so, uh, Brian can be scrappy or something. Or Zach is scrappy. Where I've seen Jason throw up his dukes and go, put him up, put him up. Yeah. <laughs> so 
all. So I'm Jason's saying. not Jabberjaw. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that werewolf one? Okay. Oh, Jason, Jason can be Batman in the crossover. Can I just oh, say the mystery machine? Well, I think major spoilers is the mystery machine oh, that binds yeah. us all together. Oh, yeah. oh. Oh. I thought that was the economic collapse. <laughs> yeah, the old abandoned amusement park. I think is major. <laughs> the old abandoned, old abandoned amusement park. Yes, exactly. Did you say old abandoned twice? <laughs> It's the old abandoned, old abandoned amusement park. Of Stephen course. is old man Withers, who has all of these great ideas and brilliant. Oh gimmicks. man, I wish I had the time to pull them all off. Right? The Dracula factory. The thing that you know, the thing, and I think this probably happens to everybody. The thing that I hate the most is I've got a notebook here, my Superman notebook, that's mm-hmm. just full of ideas of things that hey, here are ten things that I need to get done. And then the next thing I know, three months have passed, and now somebody else has started doing it. I'm like curses. Oh, dang it. Yep, 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 yep. The curse of the futurist. Yep. Well, you know, I've always long said that major spoilers probably saved my marriage because I would have these conversations anyway. It's just that you guys give a damn. So, you know, I don't have to tell Stacy in, in the morning in the van. Yeah, it I, is I would nice. say that major spoilers. Yeah, it is nice to. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say major spoilers save my marriage, too, because my wife doesn't have to see me. So that's true. <laughs> Now it is it is nice to be able to like show off any place and be like, hey, do you guys remember when Angel had like light wings? Angel from the X Men, yes. and he was like shooting beams out of it. Was wouldn't it be great if this happened? And like everybody's already on the same page. I don't have to explain who Angel is. The X Men, light wings. Right. That he had metal wings. That's all a given. Yeah, you don't have to go through that whole thing of it turns out that Apocalypse actually right. chopped off right. his wings. Right. Yeah. Well, that's cool. not true. But his wings were cut off uh, during the mutant massacre. Sure. Apocalypse gave him new wings. Gave him steel wings. You know, a lot of people would a-, a lot of people would ask us what's next for the next 10 years. And I wish I could tell you what. You know, I wish I could answer that because we don't know what's coming up because so many things change. 10 years ago if you would have said, "Hey, here's where you are today." I'd be like, "No, you're full of crap." Yep. So 10 years from now, I will tell you what we will have. Are you ready? Sure. In the year 2026. <laughs> In the future, we will have a full-scale reboot of Speed Buggy starring Selena Gomez. Hmm. That's what we will have. <laughs> Ten years from now. I don't know if it'd be big 10 years. Screen, big screen blockbuster, and she's the voice of Speed Buggy. And Speed Buggy is much prettier now because, you know, they gave him eyelashes. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Matthew. Thank you, Rodrigo. Thank you, Ashley. And thank you, Jason, for coming in this week to ask us some good Thanks, questions. Jason. And thank you to everyone who is a part of the Major Spoilers family, whether you are working at Major Spoilers or if you're just one of our fantastic fans out there listening, contributing, uh, <laughs> sending us emails, tweets, commenting on the message board, uh, commenting on the uh, comment section, whatever you do. Thank you so much for 10 years, and I can't wait to see what the next 10 years brings. Uh, I do know what's going to come up in the immediate future. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at a a trade paperback. We're going to be taking a look at Wandering Island from Dark Horse Comics. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you.
This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.